You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. From the author of the book by the same name, it's The Best Saturdays of Our Lives Podcast with Mark McCray. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Best Saturdays of Our Lives Podcast. This is Mark McCray, and I'm here with my partner in arms, Mr. Dan Clink. That's right. That's right. How you doing, Mark? I'm doing good. Doing good. Ready to um, dive into our discussion about the live action characters that were making their way onto Saturday morning or or just onto animation. Yeah. No, last week uh, we got pretty heavy, heavily into the Flintstones. And you had brought up a good point I, wanna, I wanted to go further with. Yeah. Like, I, I thought about it. You know, they had all these cameos of other shows. Right. And these shows were on other networks. And I feel like the reason the Flintstones was the writers and the producers made a decision to have prehistoric guest stars who are current and relevant is to, in a kind of psychological way, let viewers know that the Flintstones are a part of real prime time. Because see, other prime time stars from other networks show up on the Flintstones. Right. And, and I just think that, you know, in doing so, the Flintstones by accident perhaps created the first television animation multiverse because in their, yeah <laughs> i know that's crazy right it's, it's pretty it's pretty rad it is you know because if you think about it if the flintstones had been a live action show believe me those folks from bonanza would not have showed up for a cameo because right. they they were on another network right but being that it was an animated series it sort of uh, was able to uh, break that rule. They were more or less doing a parody of their character that appeared on a show on another network. The message being that we're a part of the real primetime world. Right. Well, if we're going to talk multiverse, uh, so so that means the Harlem Globetrotters then inhabit a both our our material plane and the animated world as well. Exactly. Because I want to get into one of my favorite shows coming out of that era, which would be uh, the Harlem Globetrotters. Uh, Also, the Jackson 5, I think, was a year after that, 1970, 71, in and around there. Yes, that's correct. 71 for the Jackson 5 series. Yeah. And 1970 for the Harlem Globetrotters. Yeah, yeah. And uh, one interesting note, the Harlem Globetrotters became the first African-American Saturday morning series to hit in 1970. Oh, wow. Um, and it was, uh, it did huge, huge ratings. The artist at Hanna-Barbera rotoscoped or animated very well a lot of the Harlem Globetrotters' uh, signature moves. Right. So right. it was a big deal. But again, having real people in the animation universe, as well as our universe, was opening up doors for this trend to continue. Kept that ball rolling, that idea going. And, and ladies and gentlemen, that's not to be confused with a later incarnation of the Globetrotters. Uh, <laughs> Are you talking animated. about the Super Globetrotters? We'll get Dan? to that later. We'll get to that later. <laughs> oh, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. 
But, yeah, uh, there's, def- there's definitely a story there, believe me, folks. Right. Yeah, it was like, uh, what if the like the pregenitor, the precursor to Inspector Gadget was the Harlem Globetrotters? And then you just mic drop. You just let everybody try to figure it out after that. Anyway, there was another show from that area, though, from the uh, early 70s that you told me about that I, I had never heard of. Yet, when I think about it, it's like, oh, well, duh. Uh, Jerry Lewis had a show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was called Will the Real Jerry Lewis Please Sit Down. Okay. And uh, it came out in 1970. It was produced by Filmation. Right. It has some pretty stiff competition on the other networks, and I don't remember watching a lot of the episodes. I couldn't get into it that great, but uh, Jerry Lewis did not voice the character. It was um, a gentleman that a lot of people are familiar with, David Lander, who would go on to play Squiggy. Oh, oh, of course, of course. Yeah, we <laughs> talked about that. Yeah, David Lander. Yeah, uh, the real. Yeah, and you know that what's interesting about that is while we have these live action stars, you know, showing up in Saturday morning, showing up in animation, so many of them didn't do their own voices. Like, well, right. like the Beatles for it might be one of the greatest examples. They never lend their voices to even uh, the movie Yellow Submarine. Right, that's, that's right. not them. You know. Yeah. And it's just, it's like it's almost like as a star, you've lent your your likeness, your IP, if you will, your yourself as a product to these animated properties, and it's I just I just find that unto itself kind of fascinating, a little meta when you think. Yeah, about it. well, you know, I I also think that they didn't have the time. Number one, sure. Number two, uh, well, the studios didn't have the money. <laughs> I oh, mean, honestly, oh, right. think about it. You know, <laughs> how much would Jerry Lewis really cost to show up in the audio booth and the in the in the, in the to jump on the mic? You know, right. think about that. Or for a tenth of that, he'll let you use his name and likeness. Yeah, I mean, also at the end of the day, you know, Saturday morning was sort of the stepchild of the entertainment world, and I think in some regard, it's still is treated that way as not being as important as prime time. And a lot of celebrities back in their day looked at a project on Saturday morning as not being a huge priority in their careers. Right. So that's funny you say that because at the same time, uh, they were doing battle like CBS versus ABC in the battle of the animated movie of the week. Right, right. So, yeah, so everything exploded. That really happened in 1972. Right. And based on the intel that I have at the time, uh, Joe Totoro, who was running ABC, came up with the concept of the uh, Saturday Superstar movie, which was essentially a Saturday morning version of the weekly TV movie of the week. Right. A lot of people don't know, but back in the day, networks allocated a certain budget to create original TV movies of the week that rolled into the network strategy. And so they decided, why not try a Saturday morning version? And uh, hopefully something might pop for a producer and it could serve as a backdoor pilot for a possible series the following year. Right. I think it was a a really smart idea, actually. Totally. And what about the Brady Bunch, the Brady kids? Do they do their own voices? Uh, they did their own voices, uh, okay. at least at least the first year. <laughs> oh, by the way, everybody, the the Brady's had a, had a cartoon, boys and girls. Yeah, the, yeah, the Brady kids had a cartoon. Yep, in 1972 was the third season of the primetime series. The parents of the Brady's were not in the series, and Filmation did a really great job in developing an animation world 
for the Brady Bunch by creating new friends and all kind of crazy situations. But ABC decided to use the Brady Kids to kick off the premiere of the Saturday Superstar movie. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And uh-huh. and things like that were done for a primetime series. Like they would air the movie version first. Right. And then the following week, the series would settle into its regular time slot. Okay. This was the first time that ABC had ever done this for a Saturday morning show. Uh-huh. Like have the franchise premiere in a weekly movie of the week and then show up a week later in its regular time slot. So, Oh, no kidding. No kidding. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that was kind of unprecedented, but also a smart move too, because the Brady Bunch series was riding a crust of popularity and you want to give your new weekly movie of the week a strong kickoff. Right. And so I think it was smart for ABC to do something like that. Plus, they were going up against the new Scooby-Doo movies over on CBS. The new Scooby-Doo movies, uh, I mean, to this day, to this day, they're parodied. To this day, they're remembered. They're, re- they're re-ran on television. Mm-hmm. The, the new Scooby-Doo movies, I mean, so you had the original Scooby-Doo show. Right. Uh, which, you know, was going to become what it was going to become. I, I just can't help but feel that the new Scooby-Doo movies are what really cemented Scooby-Doo as an endearing franchise. I mean, yeah. if, if, certainly coupled with the original series, but then... Oh, oh, for sure. It's next incarnation being where you have Sandy Duncan and Phyllis Diller and Cass mm-hmm. Elliott and Don Knotts and Dick Van Dyke, <laughs> you know, every week showing up mm-hmm. to this thing. The new Scooby-Doo movies expanded the franchise, and I feel like Hanna-Barbera took a page out of Filmation's playbook as opposed to trying to get new episodes renewed for your show. Why not present an entire new show and get a full episode order and plus have, you know, celebrities in there as well? And this show, the new Scooby-Doo movies, was created, in my opinion, to do battle against the Saturday Superstar movie. Right. I don't know if you and I talked about this before, Dan, but isn't it kind of a weird coincidence that both these movies came out at the same time? Oh, totally. Totally. You know? <laughs> I mean, because yeah. I really feel like it was ABC's idea, but somehow CBS got wind of it and said, you know what? We'll do our own damn movie of the week. Yeah. And we'll have our own celebrities. We'll throw Scooby-Doo into it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, really, that's that's kind of I mean, the entire idea today just seems a little bonkers to begin with. But no, right. you're right. It was an arms race. This right. was a freaking arms race going right. on. I love the fact that these two movies did come out at the same time and it was like It's like it- I'll take your Gidget and I'll raise you a Sandy Duncan. You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's oh bananas, man. That's bananas. <laughs> I'll take I'll take your uh Willie Mays and raise him for the Harlem Globetrotters. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Who also made the most appearances in a new Scooby Doo movie, by the way. <laughs> oh, I I I'm not surprised. I am not surprised. <laughs> I mean, they showed up on one of the Gilligan movies that was post, like, the oh, television show. I, I yeah. remember that. They had to, they had to, they had to do ba- basketball battle with a bunch of robots in order to save the island that of these course. guys were tried for, what, three seasons five, to get off of. I know. And, and and I'm sure. I don't remember what happened. I'm pretty sure the Harlem Globetrotters got off the island, didn't they? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah. No, yeah. Yeah, they made it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, another cool thing about the Saturday Superstar movie was that every animation studio in town was allowed to pitch a movie project that they wanted to do that they would hope would turn into ratings gold and hopefully a backdoor pilot. Oh, no kidding. Mm-hmm. No kidding. Yeah. So, you know, you had your, your big five studios, you know, Hanna-Barbera Filmation, Rankin Bass, right. um, Patty Freeling. Actually, Sid and Marty Croft were probably the only ones that didn't participate since they did mostly live action. But there were other companies that also contributed movies. And I think that's probably the first time that that ever happened, that you had every participating animation studio in town contributing to one show right. on a network. So oh, wow. that, was, that was a pretty big deal. Uh, but there were some other pretty good movies that came out of um, the Saturday Superstar movie and the new Scooby-Doo movies. On the Saturday Superstar movie side, there was Lassie and the Spirit of Thunder Mountain, okay, which was one of the Saturday Superstar movies that did really great ratings and was later spun into Lassie's Rescue Rangers the following year. Okay, sure. Yeah. You know, what's also awesome is that the Three Stooges show up in animation again. Uh, about, about a decade after their uh, first appearance. Yeah, they uh, they were back in animation form. Now and and, and rolling with Scooby Doo. And rolling with Scooby Doo. Yeah. You know, it, it doesn't it doesn't get any better than that. You know, it's almost like Scooby Doo just like okay, now that you guys are crossing over with us, you guys are now legitimate cartoon stars. <laughs> Did you ever wonder why there are 24-hour kid networks? In my book, The Best Saturdays of Our Lives, I write about how Saturday morning became a competitive business and the proving ground for what would become the 24-hour kid network. My book covers the big bang of the 1960s explosion of high ratings to the early digital age of Saturday morning's last hurrah, the 1990s. You can purchase my book by going to thebestsaturdaysofourlives.com and I will ship you a signed copy. Welcome to the Double Feature Picture Show. What do you want to see? Well, I want to see something really good and something really bad. Like maybe Total Recall and Junior? Sure. Or The Rocketeer and Country Bears? Absolutely. Maybe even Dogma and Yoga Hoses? I mean, of course. Who programs such cinematic excellence and hot garbage together? Why, only the Double-Edge Double Bill, my good man. Available on the ESO Network and wherever you get podcasts. Uh, some of the movies were kind of intriguing, the Saturday Superstar movies. There were primetime versions of That Girl with Marlo Thomas, which right. was a, a hit on ABC at the time, yeah. as well as Nanny and the Professor. Yeah, it looks like the Brady Kids did a lot of that. Uh, Love American Style. Oh, right, right. So, lo- yeah, Love American Style, for people who don't know, was a yeah. weekly anthology series that had people in romantic situations. Right. And out of that came a series called Wait Till Your Father Gets Home. Yeah. Which was, in my opinion, inspired by All in the Family. Oh, uh, of course it was. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Right. So uh, it was All in the Family for children. I mean, <laughs> what, what could be a better idea? Right, right. But, you know, they still talked about serious issues and they things did. of yeah. the day. And and Wait Till Your Father Gets Home did run in a lot of primetime slots. 
as well. Yeah, no, I uh, I got the syndicated reruns uh, right, after right. school in the when I was uh, a oh. really young kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it originally ran in prime time. Right. And there was also another show based on All in the Family on NBC called The Barclays. Yeah, you had mentioned that one. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about that okay. in the next episode, but uh I'm just like, okay. Now, Hanna-Barbera had the right reasoning behind Wait Till Your Father Gets Home. Sure. Uh, obviously, they were inspired, and the audience was still for prime time. But I don't know if I'd want a cartoon series for Saturday morning necessarily about All in the Family, being that it was such heavy subject matter. Right, right. Well, and, and, well you know, and beyond the subject matter, it was the delivery the idea mm-hmm. of satire of Archie Bunker being this, you know, intellectually lazy, conservative a-hole as satire, mm-hmm. you know, because right. of course, right. you know, the writers, the actor, nobody agreed with Archie Bunker. It was all done like the Colbert Report, if you remember that show, a Stephen yeah, Colbert show yeah. before getting the late show. Right, right. It's exactly that. If we're going to translate that into an after school or into a into a children's or into an animated series. And again, again, I, I'm familiar with the show because it played after school when I was a young child. Right. Uh, that the okay. satire would be lost. Right. Okay. So let me ask you a question. Because when I started watching Wait Till Your Father Get Home, Gets Home again as an adult, um, I don't know if I particularly cared for it. Oh, sure. I mean, that's also a conclusion I came to when I was about four or five years old. Yeah. Yeah. I also like, didn't okay. write. <laughs> I said it might be inspired, but yeah. I don't know. Hey, you know, good on them for doing it. Um, yeah, I'm going to watch I'm going to watch Heathcliff. Yeah, I'm, I'm changing the channel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, it's kind of interesting. Um, right. Not on the list because it doesn't really fit what we're talking about, but uh, Yogi Bear also made his uh, TV comeback in the series after being in cartoon obscurity for a very long time. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, so the name of the Saturday Superstar movie was called Yogi's Ark Lark, and it featured every animal star from the Hanna-Barbera <laughs> Oh wow! Um, uh, library, pretty much. Uh, the the missing. I I will put it this way: it's everyone except for uh, a polar bear named uh, Breezley Bruin, and Ricochet Rabbit from the McGilla Gorilla Show is not on there either. Okay, those are the only two that I that are not there. But Top Cat and Huckleberry Hound and McGilla Gorilla and Snooper and Blabber. As long as uh, as long as Snagglepuss is there, I'm sold. Yeah. Yeah, Snagglepuss was definitely there for okay. sure. Yeah, I'm watching. Um, and so the following year, it got spun off into Yogi's Gang with a reduced cast, you know, with just like the core, like the people who actually had shows uh-huh. like Huckleberry Hound and um, Quick Draw, McGraw, uh, McGilla Gorilla. And they would fly around on the ship helping people not to destroy the environment and educating people on recycling. They and- flew around on a ship, like an airship? Yes. Yes, I totally remember that. Mm-hmm. I t- I've, I've totally seen that show. And like I said, it brought Yogi Bear back, and as well as some of the other HB stars, animal stars from the 60s that hadn't right. been around for a while. So that was pretty cool. Over on the CBS side, there was uh, Batman, and Robin made a couple of guest appearances on the new Scooby-Doo movies, and... Those appearances are my favorite episodes 
of the series. Right. And they had been gone. Well, not, no, they hadn't really been gone too long. But those episodes that featured Batman were like the highest rated Scooby-Doo movies. Right. It was kind of cool seeing superheroes back on Saturday morning again. The next evolutionary leap in the Thunderverse has arrived. The Ring of Thunder is a whole week's wrestling and a half hour. What? The Ring of Thunder is a whole week's wrestling and a half hour. What? Every show. What? 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 You come up around here wetting in sexy Thor's yard like he's anything but the hammer swinging, burrito eating, mic blazing, marking out but never tapping out Lord of Thunder. Like you would do anything but sit down, open your ears, and take in the Ring of Thunder wherever you find your podcasts like you would find any other podcast in the Thunderverse or the ESO Network. You have 30 seconds to describe Thunder Talk. It's pop culture. With a twist. It's music. LBGTQ+. And comedy. Well, dark comedy. It's nerd junk. It's comic books. Video games. Conventions. Yeah, nerd junk. And social commentary. It's woke, yo. Yeah, and nerd junk. Woke nerd junk. Thunder Talk is all over the place. Every place you want to be. Thunder Talk is a proud member of the ESO Network. Find us at thundertalk.org and download us on all podcast platforms. Forms. You know, I don't know if I would even be aware of Phyllis Diller if it weren't for the, the Scooby-Doo movie mystery show. You know, it's almost like uh, comedian Phyllis Diller is uh, in a time capsule for kids on Saturday morning forever. Yeah, right. She, you know, because <laughs> right. she appeared on with one of the most popular dogs on the planet right right no totally and it was a funny episode too oh yeah no it was great great. you can't go wrong with phyllis diller in in any form live action or animated no and like 300 years from now after like the fourth world war you know Mm -hmm. when when you know maybe 30 people are still left in this post-apocalyptic hellscape the constitution you know ronald reagan none of that stuff will be remembered the united states but phyllis diller might be an important component of their religion <laughs> right it's like well, it's like it's like the boomerang offices there in uh down, like 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 a portion of william street downtown atlanta survives the the war <laughs> and that's just for the the rest of humanity like gathers and oh, that's funny yeah yeah hanna-barbera becomes like the new the new Anyway, let's. So, so tell us about next week, Mark. Yeah, so next week we are going to do part three of our continuation of live action established properties going into animation. And we're going to talk about all of the primetime series after the explosion of the TV movies of the week. We're going to talk about how the primetime shows ended up on Saturday morning, like Genie. And my favorite Martian, how they all got turned into some successful Saturday morning shows and some not so successful. Yeah. And one of them is a Star Trek show. If you're not familiar with that, stay tuned. Right. Oh, yeah. We're going to have a lot to say about Star Trek, uh, for sure. As Um, as we usually do. Hey, everybody. Well, thank you for tuning in this week. Uh, I'm Dan Klink. And I'm Mark McRae. And this has been the Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast. The Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast is a co-production of the Best Saturdays of Our Lives studios and the Weirdos Workshop. To get a personalized signed copy of the Best Saturdays of Our Lives book, go to thebestsaturdaysofourlives.com. This is Mark McRae signing off.
This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.